This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. She pulled my hair with my lipstick on, in a glass of purple dry. Good morning, everybody. I want to thank you for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. I just want to, before formally introducing my guest of this week, Jen Lofgren, I want to thank my corporate sponsors, Halt and Honda, as well as Forever for believing in myself, the content, and my guests, and what we bring to you each week. I also wish to thank my friends and family over at C-Suite Radio Network, where, of course, following the live show, you can eventually find the podcast link of my interview of each guest of each week. So who is my guest today? Well, my guest today is a brilliant woman by the name of Jen Lofgren. With over 15 years' experience in coaching, mentoring, gap analysis, and strategic development, Jen's insatiable drive to learn new concepts allows her to understand the bigger picture of leadership, becoming a more impactful and confidential thought partner for your needs. Jen Lofgren has been fortunate to be a partner with the Women's Executive Network, contributor to the Forbes Coaches Council, MBA mentor through the Haskane School of Business, and named Entrepreneur of the Year through Distinctive Women's Magazine 2014. Among these accolades, one of her most significant and rewarding accomplishments is volunteering with the Calgary Youth Justice Society, helping to build leaders out of at-risk youth, enhancing their strengths, not weaknesses. Credentials aside, when she is not working with inspiring leaders, you can find her being a wife, mum, fearless skier, aspiring golfer, and brand new piano player. want to thank you for generously being one of more than half a million Living Fearlessly podcast subscribers. Always deeply appreciated. So, Jen, welcome to the show, our friend. How are you today? I'm really great, thank you, and thanks for having me. Well, this has been such a, a privilege and an honor when we talked about um, a couple of months ago, you know, forecasting the date of this. So I've been very much looking forward to this, as I know the listening audience will be once they get a sense of who it is that you are. So I just want to dive right in. Everybody who follows me uh, knows that this is unscripted. I think it makes for a much more authentic dialogue, and you never know as a result of that approach what's going to come out of the interview. So I just want to first, though, as I do with every guest of every week, Jen, I just want to first dive into the backstory because most people who I've interviewed, uh, their success and what people would glean and garner for where they are today in the, in the trajectory of their journey, people sometimes fail to recognize that this was birthed out of, in many cases in the backstory, some form of adversity or challenge in which you chose to individually rise from and turn something positive uh, into, you know, what we would now know for what your life is. So, if we could go back to the beginning of perhaps what some of your backstory is and, and what catapulted you into the world of leadership. Uh, I come from a first career in information technology, and a lot of people are surprised by that background. I was in a 
incredibly technical role as a network architect working on international um, computer networks, um, voice over IP technology, satellite technology, um, and really looking at the backbone of how organizations are communicating across the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a point in that career where I was starting to think about what is it that's fulfilling for me? And I was feeling quite uh, unsatisfied with my career and I lost my job in the 2001 uh, downturn with the, the dot-com bust and mm-hmm. uh, became a consultant for a number of years and worked on fascinating, interesting projects, but was still finding uh, a need to find greater fulfillment. And I thought it was becoming part of an ingrained uh, or an integrated team inside an organization. Although I had felt like part of a team as a consultant, I was I, I thought that was maybe the solution. And I ended up working for a large energy company, um, in my last role in that career and worked with an amazing company. It wasn't the company that was the problem. I worked mm-hmm. with a fabulous team. That team wasn't the problem. The organization, and I was curious about the work that they were doing and partnering with the business and helping them make technology decisions, debriefing our projects. All those things were fascinating. And I found that there were long stretches of time when I was having to work on the technical side of the uh, role I was in. And it felt daunting, although it was something I was really gifted at needing a sense of long term business strategy and having taking an intuitive approach into how to bring the uh, best for the organization and what they're trying to achieve through the technology. I wasn't passionate about learning it. I was more interested in growing and developing my team members and partnering with the business on making strategic decisions. And uh, I was starting to question what the direction was. And there was one day that we had run into um, a major problem. And after working 16 hours with my team and uh, still not having the answer, our boss came in to talk with us and we told him everything we were doing, how long we'd been working, all the resources we were pulling in from outside organizations to support us with this major issue um, that was disruptive to the organization and uh, sharing our, uh, empathy for the situation our boss was in and explaining to him all that we had done and what our next steps were. He looked at us with amazement and he pulled at his hair and he yelled, you guys are making me look bad. And I remember in that moment thinking, my friend, it is not about you. Right. It is all about this team that's working like crazy for you and the rest of the organization. Mm-hmm. It is about them. It is not about you. And I remember that moment and it serves as a spark for the work I do today is that leader I reported to was a really great person. Mm-hmm. He was not a bad person, but he was a leader that was promoted and not developed to deal with adversity, how to step into resilience, how to work with his people under pressure and be someone that others would want to follow without a command and control style. And as I started looking more at what I wanted to do in terms of my next steps in my career, my path was to move into more senior leadership, but I didn't want to be like the leaders that I had worked for that ended up like that leader. I wanted to do something about that problem and help support those leaders that move into more senior roles and help ensure that they get developed along the way. And so that's what took me to a career change through human resources with a passion for leadership, culture, and teams to then 
focus on specifically doing something about this challenge around moving from technical expert, mm-hmm. frontline expert into the realm of leadership and doing so in a way that the leader can feel good about and be someone that they can be proud of that they would want to follow and that other people just magnetically follow. Absolutely. Well, beautiful and well said. That was very succinct and it was a great example to, uh, you know, employ to the listening audience here in terms of what burst this whole transition for you. So I just want to commend you on a couple things and I want to circle back to something you said, which I think was pivotal because oftentimes people who are very good at something, people who can identify what their skill set is, what their area of expertise or strength is, that sometimes keeps people stuck and immobilized because you know, they know that they're doing well. They know that, uh, you know, they're sought out for that specific skill set, but it's not necessarily something as you've identified where you derive fulfillment. And as a result of the leadership that you were under at the time, you were able to pinpoint for yourself, okay, and sometimes it is through the process of elimination and having a few bad apples, not as you had already identified because they're bad people, but in terms of style and in terms of the ripple uh, you know, triple down effect of how that then impedes other people in terms of building morale and, and the culture that then that fosters. So I just want to say good on you that you didn't allow something that you identified as being good for you in terms of skill set and knowing you were gifted, uh, as you indicated, to keep you stuck uh, and to immobilize your ability to move forward with advancement and growth. I think that's key because a lot of people will stay stuck based on those reasons, and I'm sure you've noticed that along the way. And I'm sure this is probably some of the criteria of the clients that you interface with when they're trying to tra- – transition into the decision-making process of, okay, do I stay here for these particular set of reasons and it's safe and I'm good, uh, or do I move on because intrinsically these things don't jive with me, they don't gel with me, it's not honoring my spirit. So let's talk a little bit about some of the gaps. You identified that as a bit of a gap. Um, what else do you foresee in your experience, either interfacing with clients and their testimonials and what brings them to you in the first place, Jen, or just looking at the global scale of leadership and who either gets characterized as a leader or who proclaims themselves to be a leader? Where do you feel the gap still lie? Well, I, I think the, the um, characterization of a leader often in organizations comes from who the pace setter is or who the best technical expert is or who is the best expert in their particular field, even if it's not a technical field and being the best and brightest in that frontline area often propels that person into moving into leadership. But And those people can be really great leaders. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the best leaders aren't necessarily the best in the frontline technical role because they've already got, uh, leadership gifts that they've developed into that um, serve the organization best in a leadership role. But the gap that I really see is in promoting leaders and not giving them development on the leadership side of managing within an organization and helping those leaders move from reacting to the day-to-day demands of their role in a frontline capacity, whether it's customer service and serving a client that's right in front of them or dealing with quality assurance and reviewing uh, the work of the organization, ensuring the best possible product is going out, or just driving and pushing endlessly for more and better results over and over and over again. Those are how we create success as a frontline expert. But the biggest gap is helping those frontline experts be able to step into uh, uncertainty, risk, emotional exposure, 
ambiguity that we run into with leadership and how to use their strengths that made them successful to this point to use them in that new way and bring vulnerability and their humanity into that leadership role and make it not just about the task, um, but about the relationship, bringing people along with them to taking systems and a futuristic view of the impact of their decisions, actions, and behaviors. Fantastic. There's one other gap that I see that happens is um, the removal of choice. Mm. I find so many leaders forget that choice is the source of their power. And no matter the situation, there is always choice, although our other choices may be less desirable than the one that's most obvious. We always have choice. And I find that for a lot of leaders, they forget that they have choices when they move into that leadership role. Bingo. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Absolutely. And so going back to what you just said, Jen, what I'd be interested to know, as I'm sure the listening audience is as well, what do you believe perhaps some of the ideology or the mindset would be that would prohibit people from uh, within the leadership capacity allowing people to thrive and flourish? Why do you think that there would be that infrastructure of whatever the block is that would prohibit people from excelling and taking things to the next level? Why would that even be on the radar of somebody wanting to create that kind of uh, dissension or uh, impeding growth? I, I don't get a sense that anybody wants to create dissension or impede anyone's growth. They just don't know how to move forward. And it comes from a mindset of applying my strengths to this point. I see three predominant mindsets. Mm-hmm. The first is I'm only worthy as a leader if I'm liked. Mm-hmm. And I'm hustling for worthiness and hustling for approval from my employees, from my peers, from my boss, from stakeholders outside the organization. The next one that I see is I'm only worthy if I'm right. Right. And I might criticize mm-hmm. to prove I'm right, but I also might criticize and not notice that that's really what I'm up to, but it's about looking to be right to prove my worth and to show an organization, my peers, my team members, that uh, by being right, I'm contributing value and I'm going to be a little bit aloof and a little bit distant from you and not let you get to know me too much for fear of uh, being seen as wrong because I might not have the whole package and be seen as wrong. And to keep that air of being right, having this um, air of arrogance mm-hmm. that, um, puts my um, stature above others to maintain that position of being right. And then the last one is I'm only worthy if I have power and I'm in control. Mm. Because if I let go of control, I don't know who I am and I won't be worthy if I'm not in control of driving the organization forward and making decisions and making sure everything is perfect in meeting the highest standard. I call those leaders 98 percenters that if I'm not making something absolutely perfect, then I'm not enough because I'm not in control. And it's those three mindsets that have helped those leaders get promoted into leadership. It's how they've created success in harnessing their strengths. Yet there's a shadow side of those strengths that can get in the way of them stepping into uncertainty and ambiguity and vulnerability that we're required to do so as leaders because there's no right answers. There's times we can't make everybody happy. There's decisions where there's going to be no best decision or we won't know the outcome until we've made it. And Uh there's times where we're going to have to step up 
with courage and we might get something wrong. We might fail and we need to make mistakes for the sake of the learning on the other side. But that mindset of I want to be liked or I need to be right or I need to be calm, cool and in control at all times can get in our way. Interesting. Well, I kind of want to circle back again to something you just said, because I think it's a very important point. So when you talk about when we talk about leadership, we, you know, we tend to believe that the characteristics that embody a true authentic leader would be somebody who's done and has been committed to the daily work in terms of eradicating that level of egoism and really just focusing on the culture and really propping people up and making it uh, an environment in such that you're bringing out the best, you're cultivating the best with what whatever the identified uh, common goal is or the identified objectives or the priorities. So, you know, and that comes with obviously a level of self-awareness. And I know we're all operating at different levels of self-awareness, but people who particularly are within the realm of so-called leadership roles, how is it then possible in the experience of who you've seen either in the capacity of being a leader, but they have fallen short and you kind of did demonstrate or illustrate that a little bit at the top of the hour there uh, with where you first started in uh, the beginning here and what catapulted you to where you are now with the example of the boss you had at the time or the leader you had at the time. But, you know, People are supposed to be within leadership and people who know that people who follow them or uh, take note of what they say or see them as credible or legitimate, uh, that can only really be transparent and come through if there is, in fact, that level of commitment to self-awareness and, and self-evolution and really aspiring to be the best version of yourself. So how how do people still deviate from that within the leadership capacity like how can they not understand that that's what's resonating and trickling down and impeding and and impacting people you know i believe the leaders that are struggling know they're struggling and know that they're not having the impact that they would like to Mm -hmm. but often they don't realize or aren't as aware that others see it too okay so one of the best ways to raise that awareness is to do a 360 assessment in some capacity, whether it's reaching out and asking for feedback from others or doing so in a confidential way and raising your awareness that other people see your struggle mm-hmm. and looking at what are my areas of growth and what can happen with that mindset and um, that those three different mindsets that I see show up with leaders as they can put on a thick armor, say, I see it. And I know what I'm struggling with, but I'm not going to let you see me. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they start opening up the conversation and stepping into the vulnerability of where can I become more effective? Mm-hmm. Not I'm going to the place of I'm not getting anything right, which can be a place that leaders go to and get into self-criticism, but opening up the conversation of how can I become even better and what's my path forward and opening up that self-awareness, not just in looking at themselves, but open to hearing the perspective and the experience of their impact on others Um, and looking at how can they step into more willingness to not know and having less of the answers. You mentioned, you know, how, how can they move Can they step into leading um, in areas where they don't have expertise? Well, if you're in a CEO role, you're overseeing an entire organization and you don't have expertise in all the different functions of the organization. So that shows us the path of leadership is really to a place of not knowing and having less answers, but developing curiosity and Mm -hmm. being able to 
know the questions you need to be asking of those that uh, follow you, those that report to you indirectly or directly. How do you ask questions that you can ensure that they've thought through all their critical thinking and applied their expertise and looked at all angles of a situation to bring forward to you the best recommendations to make a final decision? How are you talking about the passion, the drive and vision to connect those people with the why so that they can bring those connections back to the decision making and really taking on that role of challenging their thinking rather than challenging their answers. And it really starts with asking others for the impact that you're having on them and where it is that you need to let go of the shadow side of your strengths or step more into bringing your strengths into a creative, strategic, and uncertain environment. Okay. Well, let me ask you then this then. So for what you're describing, do you see this as being more prevalent or more a concern or issue when we're talking about in the uh, the job force now, the workforce now, people who would be perceivably in the dinosaur role of leadership uh, as a, and their working relationship and their their resistance to perhaps the millennials that are are on board now. Do you think it's more that kind of uh, duality, that kind of dynamic, as opposed to maybe just speaking in generalities? Personal development is hard, and stepping into leadership is actually a, a, an evolution of human development in mm-hmm. shifting a mindset. And yes, there's the tactics and technical skills. And what I'm seeing, you know, we always think the generation before us is is so different from us. And in looking at uh, leadership development, I, I see it's hard for everyone because it's this shift, just like going from a teenager into an adult. Everyone has their journey, and it's a difficult path to go through that growth and development for everyone. Yeah. Yet the further in life that we get, um, we may not take on this development and going from the awesome frontline expert into being a strategic and creative leader. And the older we get, sometimes the harder it is or the more painful it is to go through development. And they find millennials in their educational experience. I'm seeing in universities. I see it in the Haskian School of Business. I see it at uh, Mount Royal University in Calgary, I see it at some of the polytechnical institutions that they're working with millennials and now the next generation on leadership development and personal development in post-secondary and they're being exposed to it younger in life. Mm -hmm. Yet it's not any less painful, but it's becoming more of a focus in their development where for uh, Xers or boomers, they've had less of that introduction earlier in life, and it can be more of a paradigm shift to be able to step into that, and therefore scarier, yet it's vulnerable and scary for everyone, including millennials, to go through this development and looking at themselves in a new light and stepping into uncertainty when they've been rewarded so far in their career for being an expert and for continuing mm-hmm. to refine and bring um, that work to creating growth in an organization and now be asked to do it in a whole different way and developing leaders after them, developing capacity before them. Uh, The difference is that introduction to this self-development earlier on in life, I think is what we're really seeing with millennials being able to step into it a little more quickly and being able to embrace 
vulnerability and this, they've got a little bit more of a mindset of it's okay to be excited and afraid at the same time, where those that are a little bit older and advanced in their career, if they haven't been introduced to personal development early enough, they've got a mindset of if I'm excited and I'm afraid, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. Get and, excited and, and afraid is uh, hand in hand. That's vulnerability. Right. But do you think it's not more common knowledge now, particularly for those of us who are immersed in the personal development, uh, personal growth industry, you know, in, 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 I say industry because there's a lot of people who are pulled into it. A lot of it's buzzwords. A lot of it's, you know, uh, trendy. Uh, I for myself have been immersed in this for, you know, three decades. But in terms of where we're at today, because people do pay attention to trends, and even if people aren't necessarily authentic in, in changing their approaches, they know the shtick of what people are generally saying, and sometimes people hop on and piggyback off of what other people are saying, uh, thinking that that's going to script them to become a little bit more authentic. But do we not know commonly now within the industry that in terms of being vulnerable and being relatable, uh, that's what resonates most with people. When people can see that you're actually real, when people can see that you're flawed, when people can see that you understand in in the role of leadership, that comes with an exorbitant amount of accountability. And so even if you're at the top and you make a mistake or poor decision-making or you're short-sighted, if you own that, that therefore creates the environment and the culture of other people to go, okay, I'm not going to be so punitively or harshly judged or, or uh, punished if I too fall short in making the best decision but if I'm committed to owning it and I find committed to you know as we know when you learn better you do better and then you do that going forward does that not become a little bit more understood see I think it's a little bit more common knowledge now people know that if you're relatable uh, and people know that you can quite comfortably show that you are a human being outside of the role itself in in what you embody in the company, um, people are more likely to resonate with you. People are more likely to open up. People are more likely to build that rapport that's going to foster loyalty and longevity. Would you not agree? I absolutely agree that there's more knowledge around it, yet the coaching work that I do is I know this and I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to step into being more authentic. I don't know how to step into being more relatable. I don't know how to um, have relationships with my team members and still push uh, the drive for results and start looking at things from all angles. Or I don't know how to push for those results and make tough decisions and still show care for my team members. I feel like they're at odds for one another and I can't figure out myself how to do that and blend them together in a way that I still feel like me. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So in terms of going back to what it is you do firsthand with your clients and people that you're interfacing with, I'm sure the listening audience as well as myself would be interested in knowing from you, Jen, you know, if if there's one major example that you could illustrate for us in terms of a client from the beginning stages and being able to contrast that to, you know, really taking off in their journey, what would that example be in terms of client success or or major profound transformation with one individual specifically you've worked with? I can think of um, one leader who's a um, chief operating officer in an organization that has 500 employees 
and this organization has, has three owners um, and the COO was one of those owners of the organization and the two other partners sat down with him and told him he's a toxic leader. Mm-hmm. He needs to go home for 10 days, think about his behavior. And if he wants to come back and continue to, continue to be a part of the organization, he would need to work with a coach and be committed to showing up differently. Mm-hmm. And he walked out of that meeting and he went home for seven days and he thought about it. And what, and, uh, my, my contact information was passed on to him as a potential starting point. Yet he could choose his own coach, mm-hmm. but to make it easier for him, they gave him a starting point and he called me after seven days and he told me his story and he told me he was tired of being angry all the time mm-hmm. that he recognized that he was angry at work. He was actually angry at home with his three kids and his family. He didn't want to be angry anymore, mm-hmm. but he didn't know how to show up and not be angry. He was willing to let go of that, but he didn't know how to show up being any different and he wanted some help. Mm-hmm. So that's where we started. And so then we set up some coaching time together. And in our first session, we started uncovering where some of the anger came from Mm -hmm. and how it actually created some of his success to this point already in being that person, that that leader that um, just drove and pushed people really, really hard and they didn't want to get anything wrong because they didn't ever want to make him angry. And it got the results to a certain point, but it left him feeling unhappy and everyone else disconnected around him. And it felt quite lonely. Mm. And he started looking at areas in life that he wanted to start practicing some vulnerability and being with. And it started actually not at work, but he decided to experiment and practice with his three children. Lovely. Practicing listening with them and not jumping in, practicing letting them make some decisions that were appropriate decisions for their stage in life and uh, their role in the family, and noticing the connection and the bond that he was creating with his children. And then he was able to look at parallels to how he could start applying that in the workplace and started practicing at first just listening. And noticing what was happening with him along the way. Ultimately, what happened is he shifted his role in the organization. He was doing work that was not fulfilling work for him, wasn't serving the needs of the organization, and wasn't serving his goals and actually applying his strengths and using them best in the organization. So his role shifted to one in leading business development for the organization from a strategic perspective. Wow. Rather than leading operations. Mm-hmm. Then he also shifted his relationship with the other two business partners and the rest of the executive team by being more vulnerable with them, letting them get to know them, him and having honest conversations, but also being willing to be brave and ask them for what he needed and shifting their own behavior and how they were showing up and leading because they too were embodying some of the same behaviors they were asking him to correct. Mm. And he was struggling in leading in a different way when they were continuing to lead in much the same way he had in the past, but in a less toxic manner. Ultimately, he came to terms with 
the organization and they created a strong uh, relationship, great effectiveness. He discovered that he was not passionate about the core focus of that business. They were in the security uh, business um, in Canada. And uh, he decided that his passion was in another area. And they came to an agreement for his exit for the organization, not because he wasn't an effective leader any longer, but because they were excited about supporting him to go and start a business in the area he was passionate about most. Wow. So he not only um, was able to become a compassionate leader that others felt safe around, that was able to create results through others, but he was also able to create stronger relationships with his family, with some of the friends that he had in his life, but also to create fulfillment and have the courage to step away from a large company that he had helped create success in and move away to create what he wanted most and be excited about his work again. Beautiful. Now, has he managed to sustain that? Because, of course, we know when we're adopting new habits, replacing old habits that didn't serve us or were counterintuitive, we know that that's a muscle that needs to be developed. And sometimes people can make great strides and have great success and headway in the beginning. And when they start to see the results and the momentum, it becomes, again, habit forming. But sometimes people fall off the rails and they deviate and they go backwards because that's where the bulk of of where that used to reside in terms of the previous habits. So has he managed to maintain the success and and the sustainability around his progress? He has. Mm -hmm. Why he has is because he focused on doing this work and he worked with me for a year and a half Mm -hmm. and we stopped working together because he said, you know what? I got it. I'm able to channel, um, some of the messages that we've talked about together, they just come to me intuitively and naturally now. I get angry from time to time, but I'm able to notice it in the moment and I'm able to shift and tell the other person, that's this isn't working, I'm really sorry, um, mm-hmm. let me try that again. And he's got, they're not to, it's not just habits anymore. He's adopted a new mindset by Beautiful. taking on a new way of being over time in relationship with others, whether in or out of the workplace and found why he wants to show up the way he does. And those things that made him angry in the past don't matter anymore because most of what made him angry was about feeling not good enough. Mm -hmm. And now he's been able to discover why he's good enough in every situation, but he can always make choices about his actions, his decisions, and his behaviors, but his worth is never at risk any longer. Love it. Good work, Jen. Amazing. And obviously, I didn't do the work. Well, I didn't do the work. The client did. Yeah, he did do the work, but he did it with your facilitation and your guidance uh, and your support. And sometimes that's what people are often lacking. They feel, particularly if they come from uh, the experience of wearing the hat of being in a so-called leadership role, or particularly with men, not to make this a gender issue specifically, but, you know, this is where a lot of internalized feelings come out and things come out, you know, as a result of not dealing with things or properly healing or doing the self-assessment. 
different uh, or going back to the, the drawing board and going, okay, this wasn't working for me. What do I then need to replace this with to garner different results and results that are going to be intuitive for me, my company, my role, my family, everything going forward. So, you know, this is what we say. You've got to be coachable and you've got to be mentorable, but you've also got to align yourself with the right people, um, which is kind of a segue to something else I was going to say here. You know, we know that we're in an oversaturated industry. We know there's a lot of people, whether they're called coaches, whether they're called mentors, speakers, leadership experts. Um, how does one go about knowing who the right person is? And we know referrals are, uh, you know, that's where a lot of business comes your way uh, in the way of word of mouth and having had success with people in the past uh, and them having the testimonials and being able to share that with the community or whoever might be in need. Um, but how do you discern and how do you differentiate as a leader looking upon other leaders? What are some of the things that separate people into the two different categories of people who are really operating at the echelon of true authentic leadership, people who truly do walk their talk, people who are committed to doing the work on themselves first and foremost before asking any of their clients or anyone else in their immediate circles uh, to do the same? You know, what what is it that you're noticing in terms of the difference, in terms of discerning the two different categories? of people who are, in fact, leaders and those who maybe are proclaimed or characterized but lack? I, I think I'm, I'm looking for people that are willing to say, I don't know. That's mm. a good question. They're asking more questions, curious questions, than, than looking to um, give the answer or mm-hmm. to just drive forward. And they're willing to ask questions from a variety of different angles to consider not just the people side of things, but also the business side, which is very important. Mm-hmm. They're lo- willing to look at questions from all angles and defer to others and ask others to share their expertise. Mm-hmm. They're, they're willing to make a decision and take a decision where there's, there's no right answer. And when it doesn't work out to also have the resilience to look at the learning in that and then take the next decision. Mm-hmm. They're they're composed. They might lose their composure a little from time to time because they share emotion, but they don't uh, shut down completely or they don't hit the roof. They're not oozing stress all the time. Yet right. you see emotion from them. I, yeah. I'm not looking for someone who's so composed that they're they're like a brick wall. Right. They're not afraid to show emotion. Yet they're showing emotion in a healthy way. Absolutely. And that there's someone that's relatable that you can connect with and they can talk more about only business. They can talk and reveal a little bit about themselves, yet they also have depth of um, understanding around business and business from a bigger perspective in the 50,000 foot level, not just in the, in the weeds and being an expert in one narrow area. That depth of curiosity is something I'm really looking for and the willingness to continue to learn Mm -hmm. rather than assuming I'm in a leadership role and therefore I know everything I could possibly know and now I need to help other people just get the work done. 
Exactly. Love it. Good example. I really appreciate the explanation that offers a lot of clarity for myself and for the listening audience. So again, knowing that we're in an oversaturated industry, I'd be interested to know outside of your client testimonials and what might be splashed all over your website and what people would notoriously know for who Jen is and what Jen stands for. I'm more interested to know your answer about yourself in terms of how you feel you stand out and you stand alone in terms of being that benchmark, being that example, being that leader uh, versus so-called competitors or other people who are in this saturated industry as well? I think one of the things is I don't compete. I'm I'm willing to do a lot of mentorship. I I not only uh, mentor in a formal program for um, an MBA program, but I also have a lot of coffees with other coaches and freely give away uh, anything that I can to help make other coaching professionals more successful. I give away my time freely to the business community. I serve on the board for the Calgary Chamber of Commerce. I Mm -hmm. serve on the board for CPHR Alberta, which is the professional association for HR professionals in my province. And uh, the amount of speaking uh, that I do in the community, I was speaking at another post-secondary just this week on, on mentorship, uh, not for a paid speaking fee, but to freely give to the community. Mm-hmm. But in doing so, I also uh, invest heavily in my own professional development, taking um, in conferences a variety of different clients and bringing that knowledge back through writing and newsletters and so on to the community. But I also show up looking to further my own knowledge. I don't know it all yet. Being on some of these boards is like winning the learning lottery to be able to spend time with all these amazing business leaders that I get to learn from while we do our work together. Um, you know, one, one board, I, with the Calgary Chamber of Commerce, I serve with 13 other amazing top tier business leaders from mm-hmm. our city and I get to learn from them. Fantastic. That's the gift that I get. And so in stepping into all those different environments, I'm able to build those relationships and continue to learn. And I got lots left to learn and I'm really transparent with my clients. And I'm willing to say with my clients, I don't know. I had one client a year ago where we reached an impasse and uh, it was pretty tense in our relationship at that point. And she said, where do we go from here? And I was willing to tell her, you know what? I've not been here before and I'm willing to stick through this with you. But I don't know, and I think we're going to have to find our way together if you'd like to stay with me and join me. Love it. Good for you. And so in terms of you being very committed to doing your own work, which a true leader does and understands, um, and it truly does embody, you know, what would be some of your daily rituals or practices? Um, you know, what is it that you sponge up to keep yourself in a honed mindset and on the straight and narrow that keeps you being integral with yourself as a leader and for the benefit, obviously, of those that you're serving? <laughs> You know, the, those habits that they're more personal life habits that help me stay connected. Um, the first one is I, uh, uh, a year and a half ago was thinking about, and I think every November about what I want to learn in the following year. And most of it comes from a learning perspective, but that's where piano came for me. Love it. And learning piano was to learn something that I've always wanted to. Mm-hmm. And to give myself permission to learn it for a year, to give it a good go, to try it on, 
see if I really like it. But then I could quit at any time and I continue to play piano and I continue to do lessons. And part of a daily ritual is taking the time to give to myself the time to practice something I enjoy. Mm -hmm. It's a commitment that comes into other parts of my business and my life and giving myself that time to intentionally learn, but to learn something that I'm not very good at, that I don't know if I'll get good at, but I actually really like to do and to give myself that um, time when I don't have time has allowed me to make time for other things like going to the gym, like reading a book to further my knowledge in a particular business area. The other daily ritual um, that shows up most days, and I like to do it as much as I can, is to spend time with my daughter reading bedtime story. It's a special time for us. I even crawl right in her bed under the covers to be there with her. <laughs> Not None of this on top nonsense. Yes. To be really there with her. And we read and we talk and we do goofy things and play silly games and laugh together. And that is an important ritual for connecting with humility mm-hmm. and doing silliness and being present and no phone no iPad, no iWatch, none of that. And just taking that space to be with one of the most important people in my life and to be fully present, that allows me to take that energy into being with my husband, that energy into being with my clients, because I've been able to give of myself so freely um, without distraction in one area of my life. It's a reminder to keep showing up like that in other areas. Beautiful. Love that. Thank you for sharing. And so when we talk about notable leaders who often talk about the paramount importance for knowing what their why is, not just them as a leader, but also that being incorporated into their teachings, their coachings, their mentorings with their clients. You know, once you can identify and hone and crystallize what it is, is your why, Therefore, every other aspect of your life starts to fit and starts to make sense once you have that clarity. So what is your why, Jen? I really want people to reach their full potential, and I want everybody to love going to work. And Mm -hmm. my why is I believe that leaders um, have the ability that once they create that for themselves, that they're able to create it for those around them. And so by spending my time and building up smart, creative, inspirational, passionate, bold leaders that can step into not just that piece of themselves, but into being okay with being vulnerable. They're able to create that for others and have this ripple effect. So that's my why. Fantastic. And so as somebody who is a leader, somebody who is a visionary for somebody who does put a lot of emphasis on accountability, somebody who does have lofty goals, what's next on the horizon for you outside of what you're already focused on? You know, I'm in a, in, in a period of exploring that and giving myself a little bit of a break of the relentless pursuit of goals. I achieved my mm-hmm. master certified coach last fall. Congratulations. And now, thank you. And now I'm in a period of reflection and exploring the what's next and being conscious not to continually just push on to the next goal, but mm-hmm. to look at um, being very thoughtful about that process and looking at what's next and uh, what's next. Maybe um, expanding our business further. There's a team of five coaches 
that work with Insido Executive and Leadership Development now and looking at do we continue to uh, expand our reputation and refine the work that we do with a small uh, set of leaders and leadership teams or do we look to make it bigger or do we look to offer them something else? And, mm-hmm. and that's my goal right now is to explore and decide on a what's next. Super. Super. Well, being cognizant of time, and of course, these interviews always go way too quickly for my liking. I could talk to you for hours, Jen, but, um, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't give you the opportunity to let the listeners know and eventually the podcast subscribers as well. Where can people connect with you? Where can people be kept apprised of what's upcoming and how they can connect with you perhaps for an initial consultation? They can connect with me on uh, our website and mm-hmm. in cito.ca. And they can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, I do a, I share a lot of um, articles on LinkedIn and like to connect with people there. And I'm also on Twitter at Jen underscore Lofgren uh, is my Twitter handle. Beautiful. And so if you there was one impressing thought, takeaway, breakthrough that you would want the listening audience to, to walk away from, what would you say to them? One piece of advice, one suggestion, one tool to add to their toolbox, whatever the case may be, however you choose to preface it, what is the one thing you would like to leave as your parting words here for the listening audience? No matter how much we know what we need to be doing to be a most effective leader, knowing it stepping into developing into that and how they show up in that way isn't always easy and it can be helpful to have a partner by your side to step in the vulnerability of that and uh, as a parting tool and gift one of the most impactful books um, that's had uh, uh, impact on my life has been the book Daring Greatly by Brene Brown mm, yeah. and, uh, there's uh, a lot of tools and resources in there that can feel like a partner by your side and not everybody can work with a coach. I wish they all could. But mm-hmm. there's a resource that can help people feel like they've got someone by their side as they start to look at how do I move into stepping into that uncertainty and vulnerability. And those areas that I know intuitively are important, how do I start stepping into it myself? Beautiful. Well, I really want to thank you for the gift of your time, Jen. This has been, I really have gotten a lot out of this myself. Personally, I've been drafting notes. I look forward to playing back the podcast because once I do that, I'm outside of the role of being on and being the host and I can acquire information and process it a little bit differently and turn it over. So for what you've brought to me personally, uh, in terms of your nuggets, in terms of your experiences, your examples, uh, your storytelling, I just want to say thank you very much for sharing yourself and your journey uh, and all your insights and wisdom with us. I, again, personally have gotten a lot out of this uh, and I too believe in immersing yourself with like-minded people. I talk quite frequently, although it's a bit of a catchphrase, you know, vibe truly does attract tribe and I'm always looking to learn from the best and sponge up as much as I can, knowing that there's so much more room for my own growth and for my own development, which I'm truly committed to. And I think that uh, you brought a lot to this interview. So I want to personally thank you for that. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
Well, thank you, Jen. And to the listening audience, I want to thank you once again for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to connect with myself and my guest of today, Jen Lofgren, on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Again, I go live every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 10 Central, 11 Eastern, with a fantastic guest of each week. Of course, I want to rethank um, all the podcast subscribers. We're now over half a million Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald podcast subscribers. Couldn't be doing it alone. Truly believe in what it is to uplift people to fear less and to live more could not be doing it in a vacuum without your support so thank you for spreading the word and for the testimonials and for the feedback for myself and my guests of each week i want to once again thank my corporate sponsors so that's halton honda and forever for again believing in the content uh, and the importance of what it is we try to do here for the listening audience of each week and i want to thank my friends and family over at c-suite radio network where of course following the live show you can eventually find the podcast uploaded to again my host page over there as well, Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. I want to wish all the moms out there and everybody who fulfills that role a wonderful Mother's Day weekend, and I look forward to joining you back here again next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 10 Central, 11 Eastern on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Take care and all my best. Love and gratitude. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.